Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. I'm glad you were able to, to figure it out. Sometimes it's hard for people to um, actually get connected because they, um, you know, they kind of stumble on their smartphone stuff a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But it's good that you did it on the first try. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just give a little uh, intro. I'm Phantom Electric Ghost. This is the podcast where we interview indie artists from around the world. We've been doing it for about two years. And uh, we have Blue Midnight on. And uh, we just wanted to uh, give an intro um, to give her like a heads up. And so uh, we gave you the questions, right? And then we kind of freeform it. But with those questions, are kind of just there to give us a guideline. But um, yeah, we can just talk about your band and what you're doing and your latest stuff and your where you're touring and all that great you know, info. So however you want to start. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, well, we're pretty much in the local LA scene. Our first show we played was January 8th at the Mint. We played shows typically starting next year. We're playing shows twice a month in the LA area, but that could change. We've opened for metal bands like OTEP and Stephen Perkins of Jane's Addiction. Our next upcoming show is December 17th at the Whiskey Go Go. We're opening for a band called Saving Abel. We also uh, just put out an album called Eternal Wish that you guys should take a listen to because it's it's really it took us a long time to make and it's I think it really came out beautiful. Is it on all the streaming services? It is. It's it's everywhere. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll add the link to this podcast because um. This podcast allows us to add hyperlinks to like multiple links. So if there's YouTube videos you want to use or links to merch or your albums, like tell me exactly what you want and I can attach it to the podcast. And I can actually do that tonight. Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, so you're saying you just started um, playing in this year? Yeah, we're a newer band. Yeah. So did you guys come from other bands or did you know each other? Maybe give a backdrop on the whole history. Well, um, we kind of met through my cousin, actually. And we did, we just kind of met and started playing with each other and liked it. And it went well from there. Wow. So, um, so where did you have the, uh, a place to practice? We use rehearsal rooms. Oh, cool. So you can rent those or just pay for them? Yeah, we rented rehearsal rooms and got together. It was Because really that's the benefit chemistry. of being in L.A. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's something like in, well, like in New York City, you could probably do that. But maybe L.A., I think it's more common there. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's an awesome thing to be able to do. They happen to be in somebody's basement, <laughs> yeah, or garage. Garage, you know? yeah. So that's awesome. So how, how? Let me get into the question. When did you first get into music? I mean, like what age? Well, I got into music when I was around eight years old. I started playing piano when I was uh, when I was that age, and then when I was twelve, I switched over to learning theory and composition because I actually originally wanted to be a film score composer. Oh, but wow. my, my interest for performing developed in middle school when I got into musical theater. Oh, so you were in the theater. 
Like, I, I, was, so, I was a theater kid. I was a theater kid in high school. Yeah. So, so we were singing like Oklahoma and all that? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you've been working on music since then? Yeah. Since I was a kid. And so when did you decide you wanted to go into like rock versus doing um, more like uh, doing plays and theater? Well, I think that just kind of happened naturally um, because I was doing musical theater and, and actually our live shows are very theatrical. Oh, well, kind of um, Bowie-like. So there's always that, that influence. And I love Phantom of the Opera, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started getting into rock and metal also in high school and and I just kind of really gravitated towards that genre. And then I was like, it all just kind of came together in my early 20s. So do you feel artists like David Bowie and Freddie Mercury, that kind of theatrical kind of rock, does that influence you at all? Oh, yeah. I really look up to both of those those yeah. guys. And when I started out playing music live, you know, I was doing acoustic open mics. I didn't have a band. And I actually, there was one show where I covered David Bowie. Yeah, Bowie is like the, is the total, like, uh, preeminent, like I, I talked to so many artists today since he passed and you know you, you, everybody used to say the Beatles that was always like the Beatles but a lot of people now when you talk to musicians they talk about Bowie a lot um, you know which you know the Beatles are still there but I think Bowie brought that theatrical thing with like Ziggy and the Aladdin scene and Thin White Duke and he had just so many personas and he used theatrical, you know, elements to bring that to rock. And then Freddie Mercury, he just like, you know, owned the stage. Um, he did, yeah. That, that, that's always like, if you're into rock or you're into kind of progressive rock or any kind of performance in, in a musical way, even like a, a postmodern punk band can t- t- take advantage of those skills, <laughs> you know. Absolutely, yeah. So, so when did you start feeling that you could write your own music? Because there's a lot of people that, you know, they go into cover bands and, and they feel comfortable doing that. When did you feel like you had something to say that you would write your own music? I think, uh, funny, I, I started writing songs at the age of, of 16 and I was very acoustic in the beginning. And then in my 20s, I kind of, I wanted a band and I wanted to make rock music. I was listening to you know other bands and I was like I should I should be doing and I think it kind of clicked for me Mm -hmm. so did um were you influenced by like music television or music videos or were you more influenced by what you heard on the radio what you you heard on vinyl or cds or however you heard the music I think for me it's everything um there are some very iconic music videos that I still watch I collect vinyl records. I listen to CDs. I listen. Mm-hmm. I listen to the radio. I listen to everything, and I'm always open to new things. What and... What's your opinion on the new vinyl craze? Where there's a lot of people that I remember in the. I'm a child of the '70s. I mean, I'm I'm in my '50s, and you know, to have to listen to music, you had a hi-fi system. You know, you had like you know tube speakers. You had the whole receiver it was a whole different world and you know once we had the you know the ipods and iphones kind of took that away but now i see people kind of going back and getting those kind of setups and people feeling that you know vinyl 
is the best way, you know, for music aficionados, they're like, oh, that's the best way to hear it. So do you have an like, opinion on that? Well, I think that everything comes back and I'm glad that people are buying vinyl records and buying music still. And I think it's, I think it's cool that people are doing that and it is great. It is great audio quality for sure. Nobody can debate that. It's just, yeah. when you hear something on a record, it's just itself in its purest form. Yeah. Because my dad used to collect chess record, James Brown albums on 78s. And, um, and when he passed, I, I, I inherited all these like, you know, Motown, Dell, all these great vinyl records and you know i have the cd versions i have the mp3s on my iphone but when i listen to those records on vinyl there's something about it there's i think it's the compression because i'm a techie but you know uh i think the mp3 algorithm takes a lot of the sound out in order to give you it in a portable way and i think you know some people have just accepted that sound um i think neil young didn't because he has this thing where he 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 you know, made an argument that the that the compression algorithm that is used for CDs and MP3s gets it wrong. I mean, he has his own service, but yeah, I think vinyl goes back to you know just it gives it a better like uh, you know listening experience that I think it doesn't destroy any of the signal path. That that's kind of my tech answer. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I see that a lot of bands also like it because if you think about it, like if you offer an album in vinyl and you do a show and you sell vinyl at your show, you can make more money on your vinyl than you do, like, on other formats. It's true. It's very true. So I think for artists, um, they can put together packaging. And it's like, I think it's the whole listening experience because I think back in the 70s when we used to listen to albums, we had to actually listen to the whole record and that's why we would listen to like Led Zeppelin all the way through you know we'd listen to the Yes album all the way through and now today there's a whole generation of people just like pick and choose and they don't listen to full records except in some genres it seems like in the hip-hop genre that people are willing to listen to whole projects as a whole project but it seems like in other genres people are just picking and choosing um, tracks and vinyl kind of puts you back in that mode where you have to listen to the whole record. Oh, yeah. And I think if you're an artist, you want people to listen to your whole thought, your whole idea. I mean, if you come up with an album, you, you kind of want people to listen to that whole thing in one setting, wouldn't you think? Oh, 100%. Albums tell a whole story, and it's about an album is kind of, it's an experience, and when people pick and choose songs, they're they're missing out on this experience that the artist went through telling the story. Yeah. I think like a lot of artists in the seventies and the sixties, they put together, you know, concept albums. I'm a, I'm a progressive rocker. I'm a synthesizer player. So my, you know, I'm looking at like bands like Peter Gabriel Genesis, you know, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, you know, yeah. the, the who Quadrophenia, Tommy, stuff like that. So, I'm the kind of guy who goes back and like, I want to hear like a rock opera. I want to hear sticks go through a rock opera, you know, or hear Rush, you know, do a whole rock opera. That's my kind of background. Um, and so like today, you know, with a lot of the EDM, Electronica, 
some of them they're not even like they don't tell stories it's just like music and maybe dance music or grooves and so i'm more trying to integrate the old school progressive rock with some modern electronic but but kind of still keeping it in the old frame of like a yes album or genesis album you know what i mean yeah yeah because i want people to actually think about like what i'm trying to say and i think that you know rock bands i think modern rock bands indie rock bands are really have fans that will listen to their whole their whole album they get a lot of your fans right they they, they want to hear your whole project right yes the the rock and metal fan bases are very very loyal that way yeah, yeah, I think they're they're you know if you listen to like you know into in the really like the death metal, heavy metal, indie metal. Oh um, yeah, those guys are loyal. Yeah, they're very loyal. They end up buying your merch. They'll come to all your shows if you're on a tour. You see them come to multiple shows. You know, that's that's really cool to have fans like that. <laughs> so, um, so when you record, like, who are your influences? Um, you know, we talked about Bowie, talked about Queen. But in your reference point, so like if you were going to say like who are your heroes, who do you really look up to when you're writing your music and, you, and people could kind of feel that you're you're getting getting a vibe from those bands? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the so my main influences are kind of they're they're in a category called symphonic metal. Um, I listened to a lot of Evanescence in middle and high school, oh, yeah. a lot of bands of that nature like Epica, Nightwish, Within Temptation. Mm-hmm. And then I also really love um progressive rock like Muse. Muse, I have like every album of Muse, huge fan. Mm-hmm. And I also love industrial music like Nine Inch Nails. Oh, Trent Reznor, yeah. Yeah, and then there's the 90s with Tool and Bjork, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, oh, yeah, Soundgarden. Yeah, the pump- so you like the whole grunge era? I love the grunge era, but I also love Portishead and Fiona Apple. Oh, yeah. Fiona Apple, she was phenomenal. She had some really good concept albums. She had, like, albums you needed to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, because, like, like I, I'm a big, like, Radiohead, Wilco, you know. Yeah, Red, Radiohead's Red. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about progressive, if you're a keyboard player, like, I'm a keyboard player, and I use Moog. Yeah. And, and I use, like, you know, Jupiters and... I'm really heavy into old analog sense, like, you know, Prophet Fives and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I have a Taurus pedal. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Moog, there's nothing like a Moog. If you get a Moog, like, you know, it, it, it it's kind of like having a Les Paul or a Telecaster. Yeah, it's like the, the like, the Les Pauls of synthesizers, of course. Yeah, they just, they're hand-built. They're, they're amazing. They're, yeah, they just, they give you a lot. I mean, every time I turn on my Moog, it gives me something. It is every day it changes. It's never the same, and that's the kind of like the, the the thing about it. And that it drives you to create like sound paintings. And, and one thing I just you know going off a little bit, Robert Moog, the guy who invented the Moog, said that you know he felt like they, they came from the ether, like the idea for the Moog came from like the universe. He was a very kind of hippie, in, you know, designer. They in terms of his his his, his talk, the way he talked, he's like, I'm pu- the way I designed this 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 instrument. I feel like the universe is talking to me and I'm building it because it, it told me something. And so I think that's why Moogs are the way they are because then the guy who created them had this sensibility that was really artistic, you know, and and that's why I think that even today the people who still build them follow that ethic and you get like an instrument that really is passionate for, like, for a lot of people would think, oh, synthesizers are very dispassionate or they're, they're mechanical. 
But not when it comes to something like a Moog. <laughs> yeah, Moog is probably the most kind of rich and emotive synthesizer out there. Yeah, I mean, Prophet Fives are pretty good too, but but a, a Moog is just is so expressive. And, you, you know, that's why Trent Reznor, I mean, I, on Nine Inch Nails, I mean, they used, like, mini Moogs. Yeah, they did. And mini Moogs can be used at such a level, like, going back to, like, Parliament Funkadelic used them uh, for funk. They can be used for, you know, you know, for New Wave. You get bands like New Order or, you know, so you, you, they can be used so in such, such varied ways that, you know, in, any genre of music can take, you know, a jazz artist can take one, like a Herbie Hancock can take a Moog and, and then do something with it that Trent, you know, wouldn't do. But, yeah, I just think it's, it's just like, you know, any artist, like, you, you look at, like, Pete Townsend, like, on his Les Paul versus, like, you know, you're looking at how, how Jimmy Page plays. You know, they're, they all have a different take on it. But, yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> so, when you um, record, you go to a traditional recording studio, or are you using, like, a DAW or you go into like an independent studio how do you record well so we recorded in a studio back house and that's that's how we did our album uh we used a software called digital performer with live instruments mm-hmm. and it took us about a year to record wow yeah so- we use a lot of layers in our music so everything you know when you record something you have to stack and and layer and so you're more layering in an old school way, like a, like a, like don't overdub it onto like t- like a tape, or or are you doing it like in a like a like a Pro Tools type of fashion? Yeah, like a Pro Tools type of fashion. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I mean, rock bands do today. I mean, so are you really? Are you guys like when you write your album? Are you like all in the studio all at once, or you're in different locations and you can you kind of put it together because. When you're when you have Pro Tools, you don't necessarily have to be in the same room. But do you record like with your band in the same room, everybody in the same room, or do you do it like over time, different parts done at different points? It's it's different parts at different points. So I write. So I for this album, uh, I wrote all the songs with my cousin, and then once we wrote the songs and put out charts, then we had drums come in and record, and then we had bass come in, and then we had guitars. And everything was super composed and um, and laid out. So it was just kind of a process where we had to get everybody in at different points and then stack everything. So when you go, when you construct songs like that, when you go to rehearse, do you find it, 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 there's any issue with rehearsing songs that are constructed that way or everybody just like, you know, learns their part and they just, you just go through the process of rehearsal and you get it? Everything just, we got lucky, I think, because everything just sort of fit together when we translated it live. Mm -hmm. But do you have to take a lot of time to rehearse? Are you guys like know the material so much, but when you recorded it, do you don't have to spend a lot of time, you know, rehearsing it? Uh, We have, we have rehearsals every month just because as a band, uh, it's kind of like that time is for us to bond and that time is for us to really put on a good show. Mm-hmm. But if on a technical level, um, we can play the parts in our sleep because we just are so familiar with it and it yeah. really became ours. Well, yeah, it's your music. So even if you're not, yeah. like, cause it used to be like in, back in the day, like a band, like would be like Fleetwood Mac would be at, at, you know, sound city 
like all at South Korea at one time. And that's just the way it was because they used to pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. But um, nowadays, when I, when I talk to a lot of people, you know, the, the, the DAWs do give you an advantage of being able to, you know, record at different points in time. And that all, not everybody be in the same place because the way the world is, you know, people have a day job. People can't be there at the same time, but you still want to keep the project going. So you know, it allows you to do that. Yeah. So um, have you collaborated with other musicians that, from other you know, bands on, on any kind of projects, you know, in the past or going forward? Um, we haven't collaborated with anybody yet, but we're really open to it. And I think it'd be really awesome to. And I really would love to collaborate with artists that, you know, they talk about real things and real experiences. And I really just want to collaborate with people that, that move me. And, mm. and cool. I think it'd be really great to do that. So it's really something I want to keep in mind for the future. Yeah, because one thing is like I, I've been doing this for a while since I was like seventeen. I had bands, and then because I'm a like a synth player, I kind of can do everything. So I'm one of these electronic guys that kind of just does everything. Um, but from time to time, I collaborate with people, and I, I actually collaborated with this um this artist in L.A. All Control K. We did an album together, totally on the net. Um, just going back and forth between her home studio and mine. Um, and then I did a collaboration with a band in New York City, uh, Lonnie Clare. And uh, I actually did a weird collaboration with a, a Chinese film director. They had a script for a stop motion film. And then I took that script and turned it into a song. <laughs> um, but it, it, there's all kinds of things I just like to, you know, link up with people that are doing different things. And I'm, I'm a very progressive rock kind of person but you know i'm electronic but I, I i love analog sense and so i try to bring analog sound to some of the modern stuff that's going on as a as a like a producer writer so i've been like uh you know trying to find people to collaborate with from time to time I, i'm able to do that i'm working on some new projects but yeah it's just really cool in this age through the net and it's a lot easier than back in the day like back in the in the early 80s when I was playing like you had to go you know to the band rehearsal space or somebody's basement or somebody's garage just to keep your band going <laughs> let alone try to think about playing with somebody else um, and now today it's a lot easier to actually do that yeah yeah it's a lot more accessible with the internet for sure so have you thought about like cross genre, like, 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 would you work with a hip hop person or EDM or jazz or country and would you cross into different genres or stay within your lane? No, hundred percent. I'd be open with all music. I, I respect all genres of music and, and actually, you know, just because I'm in a rock, you know, I'm in a rock band and I'm a rock musician if you actually look at my playlists and stuff, like mm -hmm. there's so many other genres that I listen to. And I just really, I like things that move me and mm -hmm. that could be in any genre. So if someone wants me to do something and it really moves me in a way, then of course I'll be open to collaborating and that could be in any genre. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's what, what I try to do. Cause I, you know, I, I, I mean, on my playlist, I'll listen to like, you know, Folsom, uh, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. 
And yeah. know, electronic artists would like probably not expect to listen to that, but you know, <laughs> or then I would listen to like Coltrane, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love Supreme. And that, you know, then I, I love punk. So I'll go listen to like, who's to do like, yeah. you know, like land speed record. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's like, you know, that's not exactly my genre, but like today I'm listening to Earl sweatshirt. Um, just because he's got some pretty advanced hip hop and, uh, and, and there's some stuff in the modern hip hop that is like, besides the, some of the stuff that goes a little too machismo and a little too this and that, there are some people in the hip hop genre that do some very innovative cross yeah. genre stuff. And a guy I like find that, there are some hip hop artists who are quite lyrical geniuses. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think like yeah, this guy Earl Sweatshirt from the Odd Future. Um, mm -hmm. He is like amazing. His father was a South African poet, and. Um, and he has some of his father's ability. Um, and he's kind of like a, like an underground um, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Um, but he's getting a lot of press lately for his latest record. And uh, I've been like really vibing on it. But um, to digress. <laughs> so so um, have you gone outside of um, California to play shows? We haven't yet, but that, that could really change. I mean, the door is always open. Yeah, have you looked into like the European um, festival yeah, um, market? Yeah, um, Europe is definitely a place that would be really interesting for us to hit. I've been looking into Austin, Texas. Yeah, as Austin. An option. A, yeah, Nashville and Austin are really good. Yeah, uh, those are good places because, like Nashville, I did not realize how deep that scene is. It's not just country. There are punk bands there. I mean. Got Jack yeah, White. Nashville does have a good punk scene. Yeah, and Jack White's got his club, and he's got his label out there. And there's a lot of, like, there's punk, there's jazz, there's, like, New Orleans stuff out there. There's, like, almost any kind of music you want Yeah, is there. That's a really, like, a mecca. It's like Austin, you know? It's, it's like, the same kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. I'm totally looking to try to get there. Because <laughs> one of the things I like to do is go to Moog Fest in North Carolina, like, every year... Moog has a festival at their factory and they actually have this big concert festival at the Moog factory in North Carolina and they have bands you know uh, that use Moogs come and do a show and then there's a symposium and you, you actually get to build a Moog from scratch and you get to meet all these electronic artists or even Vockers that use Moogs you know like guys from Yes will show up you know guys from Genesis, Sticks and stuff will show up. So you get a lot of modern bands and you get these old rockers too and then and you have these concerts, you know. That's with, super cool. Yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a kind of a like, I don't know if everybody knows about it because it might not be as big as some other things, but it's a really cool, cool thing that, that you know, if you're a musician and, and it, that kind of stuff at all is just kind of cool. Um, it's another place to play. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm really excited that you guys, you know, that you came on the show. I, I, I saw it. Instagram is how I find everybody because, like, I'm on Instagram and then somebody will, like, say they like something that I did. And then I'll ask them because uh, there's a lot of musicians on Instagram. And that's why I, I actually get a lot of my guests from, from going on Instagram and, and listening to, you know, clips of what, what bands put up. <laughs> yeah. And, and I find that then that's a good way to get, you know, a lot of indie musicians to give them the, the coverage. I, I didn't think people were getting coverage. And also what I was upset about is I, I was seeing there were people out there, they were asking bands to pay 
to be interviewed. And I felt like I'm a music fan and I'm a musician. And it's like, I think I want to be like a journalist and just like have interviews and just yeah. do it, do it and give bands, you know, push it forward. Give, you know, like give a band a chance to be heard, to get into their process, to talk about what they do and not try to put, you know, any kind of strings on it. And so that's what I've been doing for the last two years. And uh, it's, it's, it's starting to build up. I'm actually getting sponsors. I'm actually getting corporate sponsors now. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, yeah, because this po- the podcast on Anchor can actually be sponsored. We've got a couple of sponsors. Uh, I won't go through them here because they actually go through on the podcast itself. But um, yeah, we're starting to get sponsorship. We have ability for people to actually donate if they want to donate, if they're into it and they want to see us interview other people. Um, yeah, and we actually collaborate with people too. But um yeah, we're we're very excited that you came on. We we like to follow the people we talk to. So we typically like if you've got a project coming out and you want to do some more press on it, you want to do an album reveal, you want to talk about a tour, we're here to uh, do that. So you can always get in touch with us for that. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah, and so like yeah, if you um, can send me any of the links you want to be on this podcast, because we can actually publish this tonight, and it will go out. Just to let everybody know, this podcast goes on to like 10 platforms. Some of the most popular ones, it goes on to Apple. It goes on to Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, and then Anchor itself. There's like five other ones I won't go into, but they all get published and all the links are free. You don't have to pay for them. They just will just send you them as they get published. And uh, it just gives your, your, your fans a way to listen to, you know, on Spotify, we're really happy that they, they made that one because a lot of people listen to podcasts on Spotify. And that's that's a very popular platform. Apple is too, but it seems like a lot of people have Spotify. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, if you can send me what you want to the links to be for this episode, we'll put those on, and then we'll publish it, and uh, we'll send you a, a note through the, to Instagram of um, you know what the links are, so you can tell all your fans. That's we perfect. will also yeah we will also promote on our site. We have a blogger, we have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram. And, and our Instagram has the ability to actually create a highlight that links to the Spotify podcast. So what we do is like once this gets published on Spotify, we actually create a highlight on our Instagram that allows people to go directly to the Spotify link, which is useful. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. That's a good way to do it. Yeah, so yeah, we'll do that on our Spotify um, link once we have it, and uh, we'll let you know. Because you'll see it on our Instagram when we put it up. Could we actually put a posting that says, click this highlight to listen to the interview. <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to tell your fans? I just want to thank everybody for listening to us. And we want to keep rocking. And I want everyone to have a great night. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Thank you. Well, we hope to hear from you again. Uh, anytime you want to talk to us, give us a little note and we'll we'll fit you in our schedule. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great night. Have a great night. This is Van Electric Ghost, and our supporter, CIN Pals, is having a promotional contest where you can win $500. You just have to call them at 786 562 7601. If you call them at 786 562 7601. 
can also email CINPOWs at cianpowsinfo at gmail.com, cianpowsinfo at gmail.com. Their website is www.cianpals.com. Again, CIN Pals, a new type of social network, is having a promotional contest, and you can win $500. Check out CIN Pals at www.cianpals.com or call them at 786-562-7601. That's 786-562-7601. Email again is cianpalsinfo at gmail.com. CIMPOWSINFO at gmail.com. Thank you.